0: Thank yeah. you.
1: singing, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. I enjoyed all the specials. I always do here. I always enjoy it. And man, what a great message. I I love to hear Brother Johnson preach. I get uh, so much out of the message that he preaches, and then you get so many other thoughts for other messages while he's preaching. You know if a man's preaching, and I, I can tell you know if a man's preaching if you're getting thoughts for sermons. If you ain't getting no thoughts for nothing to preach yourself, there ain't much being said. But he, he preached and always does. I always get a lot out of the, the message he preaches, but then things that he says in the sermon, there's so much there. There's, it's like... Uh, you know, some places you go in and you get an ice cream cone, and there's, you have to look down in the cone to see if there's any ice cream. And then there's some places you go where it's about two or three scoops, and it's enough there for about ten ice cream cones. That's the way his preaching is there's a whole lot there, and uh, probably more than you can take in, but that was good. It was very, very good. That was very good. hearing him preach, he's a great preacher, and I enjoy being here with Brother Bale and being with you folks here at Anchor. Look in your Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 20, I'll be honest with you, I was struggling with what to preach tonight until I heard him preach, and it seemed like while he was preaching the Lord said, you preach that, you preach this message here that piece. You said, that doesn't seem like you're uh, much preparation. Well, it ain't that the sermons ain't prepared. They've been prepared. But I just want to make sure that I got the right one. I got a whole lot of messages I can preach, but I want to preach the one that I feel like is right for this time and for you. And uh, sometimes I, I just struggle trying to sometimes cause. I want to help so much. Looking for the right thing to give somebody that'll help them. I'm not, if if, if I was just wanted to preach to be preaching, I could stay home and make radio sermons and preach all day, every day. It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm here because your pastor invited me. And then I'm here because I want to help you. I really am. And this is important to me that you get some help. And I guarantee you, you've gotten help this week if you've listened. You got to tune in. You know, God told Moses to come up on the mountain. He said, Come up on the mountain. He said, And be there. Now, you said, Well, if he went up there, he was there. Yeah, but I got some people in church every Sunday that ain't there. They're there, but they're not there. Their mind somewhere else, their heart somewhere else. They're just there, maybe in duty they're really not getting anything they're not really getting anything because they didn't come to get anything they weren't there plugged in saying I got to have something yeah. Yeah. And then I got others that are there and they're hanging on every word because they need something yeah. 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 so but I hope if you're here you're here yeah. and if you're here for the right uh, to, to hear the word of God to yeah. preach so it'll, it'll help you and there's nothing wrong with you taking notes but the bill, I know sometimes people see me writing while the man's preaching. And maybe think I'm not paying attention, but I know what he's doing when he's writing. I'm doing the same thing. God is speaking to you. And if you're not careful, if you don't write it down, you'll forget it. And so I know what he's doing. Take your Bible, look at First Samuel chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading over here. There's so much in this story. There's so much in this story right here. Let me just set it real quick, what's going on, and, and, and then and then I'll read and you'll know what's happened. David, of course, you know, had, had uh, uh, has been anointed to be the king of Israel. He's not the king at this point, but he's been anointed by, by Samuel to be the next king. Saul has had the hand of God taken off of him because of his sins. In 1 Samuel 13, Saul did the work of a priest. And he stepped in and tried to do something that he was not, didn't have the authority to do. He got rebuked because of it, but he didn't learn his lesson. In the 15th chapter, he disobeyed direct orders when he went to fight the Amalekites. Uh, he was to bring back no prisoners, no war trophies, no nothing. And after the battle, Samuel heard oxen blowing and sheep bleeding. And he goes outside and here comes Saul with his army, leading King Agag. And he said, who is this and what are these? And he said, well, this is King Agag, and I brought back these sheep and oxen for the best sacrifices to the Lord. And he said, that the Lord has a great delight in sacrifices is in obedience. Well the answer that's no. And uh, so he said, because you have disobeyed God, God has taken his hand off of you, and he's got another man that he'll choose to be the king. And, of course, Saul said, I've sinned, but nevertheless, God had left Saul. But Saul's still in the sitting on the throne of Israel. Well, the battle breaks out. They're fighting the Philistines. And you know the story how David had brothers in the military. And they're up there with Saul, and there's a giant backing down the whole army, cussing God and blaspheming God. David goes up there to take cheese and corn and bread to his brothers and sees it. And so David said, uh, they, that, that ought to be stopped. Yeah, and right. David said, uh, I'll, I'll go down and fight him. So long story short, he goes down and kills the giant. And uh, a victory comes, a great victory comes. And somebody goes back into the city and says, look, uh, we they won, uh, the Israelites have whipped uh, David. A boy named David killed uh, the Goliath. And brother, the Philistines are running in great victory with Israel. So people began to write the song." And so the army of Saul comes riding back into town. Saul's leading the pack on his stallion, and they're singing about uh, how uh, great Saul killed thousands. But when verse 2 came and said, but tens of thousands was attributed to David. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 20, verse 3, that uh, Saul eyed David. Uh, He eyed David. In other words, jealousy set in. And the reason for it being is, is way back there in that 13th chapter, he didn't get right. And he didn't get right in the 15th chapter, and he never did really get right with God. And though he was already disqualified to be the king, he still could have gotten right. Right, right. But he never did. Well, now jealousy sets in, and uh, he looks for a man in the kingdom to uh, play the harp, to try to drive away the uh, evil spirits that would come so he could rest and sleep. And so he said, I want the best harp player uh, in the country that y'all can find, that when they brought in a man, it was David, and uh, David would play the harp, and uh, Saul no doubt would lay back in his chair and sleep. Now, here's what he was doing: he was putting a band aid on what needed surgery. What he needed cut out, he was trying to just say, "I'll just put a, I'll just put on my headphones and listen to David play the harp, and that'll that'll spiritually help me." But really, it wasn't taking care of anything because when he got he was just as jealous, just as angry, and just as bitter. Well, then it goes on. And so then uh, he seen uh, Jonathan become best friends with David, Saul's son. And they become bosom friends. I mean, they loved each other, the best of friends. And so all of these things, every time Saul would turn a corner, God was flashing something up in his face to show him he was under judgment. Then he says, I'll track David. I'll get him. I'll get him in trouble. He said, "I'll get him to marry my daughter Michael." Remember, he's going to marry the other one. But then Michael loved it, and he said, "She'll be a snare unto him." And uh, but Michael loved David. She wouldn't fall in with Saul's uh, trying to harm David. She actually protected him from losing his life. All these things. But then Jonathan is the one who really stuck up for David, and he could not understand. So when they get ready to have one of the king's feasts. David said, I'd like to be excused. He tells Jonathan, and uh, I'm afraid to come in, afraid your dad will kill me because he's already attempted it. And, and, and he said, uh, uh, you tell him I've got business back home and everything. So he does, but then Saul was angry because David didn't show up. So so then Jonathan said, well, look, uh, he, I don't think dad really is going to kill you. Uh, let me do this. Let me find out. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come out for tomorrow. You go out at the, in the rocks on the other side of the field, and you hide out. And, and what I'll do, I'll come out there tomorrow with my bow and my arrows and my uh, boy that runs to pick up my arrows. And he said, I'm going to shoot these arrows uh, in the field like I'm target practicing. And he said, if I shoot on this side of you, the arrows come on this side of you, it means you can come in, things are safe. But if the arrows go beyond you, that means to flee. So this is where we're going to pick up here. Jonathan, here's Jonathan now talking to Saul, his dad, in verse 32. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain, and what have he done? In other words, he's saying, Why do you want to kill David? And Saul cast a javelin at him that smite him whereby Jonathan knew that he was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. And it came to pass in the morning, Jonathan went out into the field, at the time appointed with David, and a little lad with him. And he said unto the lad, Run, find out the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot the arrow, look at this, beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, It is not the arrow beyond thee. And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay not. Jonathan uh, And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the lad knew not anything, only that Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad and said unto him, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of the place toward the south and fell uh, uh, on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept uh, with one another until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we've sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went. In, uh, to his city now. So what he done is uh, 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 Jonathan shot the arrows, and then he cried out as the little boys running after the arrows Are not the arrows uh, beyond thee? Keep going. The arrows went uh, on, and so David knew that the arrows, of course, had went over his head. You know, brother Bell. Sometimes arrows are shot over our head, and there's not a thing Sometimes, David didn't want this. But friend, they sometimes, said you can't do a thing about what's going on because the errors is over your head. Ain't anything you can do about it. I've had some situations that I wish I could have helped pull some people back in and try to help them, but the errors went over my head There was nothing I could do. And sometimes it, there's just not anything you can do and you have to start over. So David's life here, which looked like he had it made, God saying to David, you're back in the first grade, you're starting over. And here's the reason for it, because God was going to make a king. And he said, this, this young boy's not in no shape, be no king. Okay. I've got to put him through some real intense training. So he's got to start all over. Now, he got promoted real quick. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you these thoughts uh, here and and, and let's and, and but I want you to listen. Father, help me now, please. And God, thank you for Brother Johnson's message. It spoke to my heart as it did to others. And God, help me to help tonight, Lord. You know how bad I want to help. And Lord, I'm I'm, I'm not nothing. I'm too weak. And God, uh, I pray that you'll help me, please, in Christ's name. Amen. Let me say uh, that sometimes God makes you start over. Now, can I say this? When God does, it's not a bad thing. And we think it is, but there's sometimes when God moves us back a few notches because that's where we need to be so he can do something with us. Let me say this right here. Because of sin that separates us, that's out of our control, sometimes sin is maybe in the life of another person. And you've tried to mend the relationships and you can't. You say, well, the errors went over your head. There's nothing you can do. There's not a thing he can do about it. David really loved Saul and honored him. And there was not a thing he could say. There was nothing David could say to Saul to fix this. You say, why? Because the problem was with Saul's heart. See, the heart of the problem was a problem with the heart. You can't there's nothing you can do when somebody's heart they won't get right. See, and so sin, They had to start over because of the sin that separated them. Now I'm going to show you something. It was not David's sin in this story. It was Saul's sin. It was the, the, the sin of pride. It was the sin of pride. And only by pride cometh contention. Right. oh any time there's a fuss or a fight, I don't care if it's in the home, it's on the ball team, it's in the church, it's out the business place. Anytime there's a fuss and a fight, pride's involved. Amen. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. Anytime somebody's right with God, they'll they'll give in. The person's right with God, they'll they'll if if it's within their power to make peace, they'll they'll go the other way. Remember when uh, remember when Abraham's uh, herdsman Lot's herdsman was and the fussing over the and, and Abraham had come back to his altar? And whenever uh, David was fussing. he said uh, let there be no strife. Abraham said to lot, let there be no strife. lot was uh, lot didn't have no order in walk of God. Abraham did. He's the one that, that initiated peace. Then he said, uh, uh, listen, you choose the land you want. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right or if you go to the right I'll go to the left the one that's, that's right that the Lord initiates peace. David here is initiating peace, but there's no way to make it. Jonathan was right with God. He's trying to be the the mediator. He goes to his dad and says, Dad, look, David loves you. He's done nothing. And he takes a javelin then and tries to kill his own son. That's the kind of heart that he had. So what what kind of heart was it? It was a heart of pride and jealousy and bitterness. And that's why Ephesians chapter 4, Brother Johnson mentioned a while ago, Two things doing again in the Holy Spirit, grieving him and quenching him. What's it say in Ephesians 4, Brother Richard, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. And then it tells us what to put away. Put away the anger and wrath and, and, and uh, bitterness and malice and all those things. And then it's to be a kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. See? But Saul didn't have it. He couldn't do it. Say why? Because of his sin. Anytime you see sin in somewhere, somebody's gonna to have to get right with God and it's gonna to to start over. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve sinned, They had to start over. It had to start over. They had it made from creation. But when they sinned, now they're driven out of the garden. Now they could they tried to cover up their sins with fig leaves, that was works. But the blood of the lamb, that they were covered with uh, lamb skin then, and that lamb would give up its blood. And it was by blood now that they were justified. But he still drove them out of the garden and said, by the sweat of your faith, they had to start over. Then in Noah's day, the world got so corrupt and wicked, God told Noah, build an ark. And he gave him all those years to preach the gospel and tell people to repent and get right with God. And only eight of them did. And one day God said, come into the ark. And God closed the door and judgment failed. And the whole world started over. It started all over. Why? Sin always requires you to get it confessed and get it right. You can't just ignore it. Amen. Amen. You can't ignore it. And when we get sin in things, it has to be dealt with. And what we want to do in this society, and he mentioned this a while ago, we want to sweep it under the rug or just act like it didn't happen. Right. But my friend, let me tell you something: uh, if you get any joy and peace and get right with God, brother, you've got to do that for that to be First John one nine, right. confess it, and then uh, in our heart confess it, repent about the thing, and and quit it, forsake it. Am I telling it right? And get it under the blood. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brother, that's the way to do it. Do it God's way. Now, but David had to start over because of sin. Now, let me say this. Sometimes we have to start over because of not only sin, but because of settling in a comfort zone. People get comfortable. And I don't mean comfortable in their sin, but sometimes just comfortable as a Christian. And being in church, just get comfortable with just being in church and just being a part of the church. Well, let me tell you something. Folks, God has something he wants you doing. There's something for you to do. You're not here to just decorate the pews. That's not why you're here. God has a purpose for you, a will of God for you. And by the way, look here. David was in a comfort zone to some degree. Look at this. He killed Goliath and let me tell you what happened. Now, In just a little while, he was in the family of the king. He was a son-in-law, and David was humbled by it. He said, who am I to be the son-in-law of the king? And David, really, he was so innocent, he didn't even realize Brother Johnson saw trying to get him killed even to become his son-in-law. He had to do do some unbelievable things to get to marry his daughter, and he lied to him about that one uh, girl he was going to marry and gave her to somebody else trying to cause David to react. David said, that's okay right there, it'd be enough to got you for up right there, wouldn't it? Huh? And, uh, but he didn't, and David wound up marrying Michael, and and to tell you what kind of person she was, you know, he doesn't call Michael much, he doesn't say much about being the the wife of David, he just calls the daughter of Saul. You know, she wasn't much of a wife, she wasn't much of a wife. When David would get happy and having revival and shouting in the streets, she rebuked him. She wouldn't even come to the service. She stood up and looked out the window and, and, and cussed at him. That's right. I'm telling it right. Yes, it is. And let me tell you something, more. God put something on her too, didn't he? Well, let me tell you something. But David was in the family of the king. David was feasting at the king's table. He's eating the best food, brother. He's eating like we did over today. Dave. Hey, it'll eat no better than we eat today. I mean, listen, it's wonderful. David ate like that breakfast, lunch, and supper. Every day, every day he was feasting at the king's table. He's in the family of the king. Hey, he was favored by the king's men. and favored. Well, he was an officer. He was a general. He was one of the leaders. He was favored by Jonathan. Uh, He was uh, his his brother-in-law. He loved him. That was his best friend. I mean, he had it made. And so he's in a comfort zone. And God said, nope, you've got to start over. I'm going to take every bit of that away from you. I'm going to disconnect you from Jonathan where you ain't going to be able to see him. I'm going to fix it where now. If you get something to eat, you're going to have to go ask for it. You got to pray it now. And, you, and, and, and it ain't going to just be you. It's going to be about 600 men with you. And every one of them's in debt. And every one of them's depressed. And every one of them's discouraged. And every one of them's. Now, now, hey, it's in the book. Don't look at me. It's in the book. David got in that cave up there, Brother Johnson. He got to looking around and he's looking for some happy looking men. That, that crowd, Brother, let me tell you something. They look like a Baptist church. They was in debt. He's depressed and discouraged. And listen, David would have to go, as he did in this next chapter. And he went down, I, I believe it's the next chapter, down to a Himalaya. Yeah, he, did. he didn't have nothing to eat. He said, Hey, can we have some bread? I got a bunch here to feed. And so the priest gives him this bread. And then he said, And, and by the way, David was expecting Brother Richardson when M. Harris was shot. Let me tell you something. He was expecting those arrows to be on the center of the field. He wasn't expecting them to go over his head. And I'll tell you when arrows will go over your heads when you least expect it. David was expecting those arrows to come on the inside. How do you know? I'll tell you how I know because David didn't even take his sling with him. He didn't have any nothing to fight with. He didn't have war on his mind. He had reconciliation on his mind. But God said, David, you're going to have to leave with nothing. Live with nothing. So he goes down there and he said, man, I need something to eat. And, And he helped my men here. He gave us something to eat. And if you got a sword, and he said, I got that when you gave me when you killed Goliath. I wrapped it up in a cloth back here and put it up for you. And David said, get it. There's not any of a sword like that. Man, that one right there was built for battle. So he gets it. It looked like to me it would have been way too big, doesn't it? But he said, there's none like that. Get it. So David's carrying the snake. But you know what? I believe I had Goliath's sword. Every time he'd look at it, he'd say, I gave you victory over the man that had this sword. And he was a giant. And I'm going to give you victory, but you're going to start over. And so uh, uh, so what I'm trying to tell you uh, tonight is settling in a comfort zone. Remember Deuteronomy uh, 32, 11? And I know i got to hurry, but let me just read this to you here. Deuteronomy 32, 11, look what it says. As an eagle stirreth up, uh, up her nest and floodeth over her young and spreadeth abroad her wings and taketh them and beareth them on her wings, show the Lord. Right. Show the Lord. And then it says, alone did lead. Uh, him, and there was no strange God with him. Look at this. As an eagle uh, stirreth up her nest, flutters over you you ever been out west and, and, and seen an eagles, see some old eagle nests? It ain't some little old bitty nest. But them things are long. And many times it, 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 they had to carry big sticks. And, and, and put those sticks together and make a nest, and then that eagle will kill some coyotes and rabbits and squirrels and foxes and, 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 and animals, and, and, and she'll put feathers in, the, in that nest, and she'll put that, uh, those hives after she had eaten the, the meat off of them and put them hives down in that eagle's nest, and then when her eggs is laid in there, and they hatch one day. A little eaglet that's in there, Brother Richardson, you know what she does? She'll head for the river. That old eagle will sit up on those cliffs and up on her nest and head for a river and get fish and catch a big old fish and bring it back and take those powerful claws and that beak and tear it to pieces and drop fish uh, all in the mouth of so them little baby eaglets as they're just looking up and they're looking up. And then the next day she maybe be kill an animal of some kind, do the same thing. And every day she's feeding them. And then it comes after a few days, flying lessons. And it says she puts them on her, bears them on her wings, and she'll take one or two of them on her wings and get them on her back, and she'll head out over a canyon, and she'll go here and go there and soar into that canyon. And then all of a sudden, she'll turn up on her back as she's flying and dump them off or dump one of them off. And that little one he's trying to do the best he can. He's he's doing all he can, flapping those wings, trying to fly. And she'll nosedive and get under them and land right under them and pick them up and take them right back. She's giving them flying lessons. You know what she's doing? They're getting heavy now. These little eaglets is gaining weight off of that fish. And they're getting bigger, and they're sprouting feathers, and they're getting strength in their wings. And you know what she's doing? She's getting them out of the nest. They're too comfortable in there. And, you know, on some of those old sticks, you got thorns and stuff that'll start, as they get heavy, that'll uh, start poking through them hides. and it gets uncomfortable in the nest. And sometimes, let me tell you something, that's what God's trying to do in your life Amen. to get you to start over, yeah, yeah. to get you out of the comfort zone. Are you following me? Yeah, yeah. See, he was trying to get David because he was getting him out of the comfort zone because he was trying to make a king. See, you can't be no king without going through the cave. You can't be the right kind of king without a cave. I'm talking about Fanny Crosby. Would have never been Fanny Crosby if she'd have had her eyesight. The blind woman that wrote about sunsets and sunrises and the face of the Savior, a blind woman showed us more through songs than any human that's probably ever lived. But she's totally blind. What was God doing? God took her eyesight, and He gave her spiritual eyesight like few have had. I thought about other people, and I wrote this down up there. I didn't know you was going to be here. I thought about old Monty Watts. Old brother Watts. You know what? God made a great evangelist out of that man. But you go back and read his book about the iron lung, suffering. You know what God was doing while he was doing all that? God was chiseling out an evangelist. Right. Yeah. But he got him out of the comfort zone. Then Jack Hiles, Dr. Hiles, you know something? He was raised without a daddy. Yeah. Right. Mother raised him. And and looked like, I mean, didn't look like Harley had a chance. But the man shook the, the world yeah. yes. with his evangelism and with the building, the big First Baptist Church in Hammond and the pastor schools that affected every one of us. And still, Dr. Howells' work's going on right today. What about a Harold Seidler who as a young preacher, his little 12-year-old daughter was struck and killed by a drunk driver? What about a Bobby Robertson that at age 29 had a heart attack and then had a nervous breakdown, a church split, cancer three times? yet one of the greatest preachers we've ever known. I mean on and on. Monroe Parker, his wife, killed by a drunk driver. On and on you could go and on and on you can go. What did God do when he was building them? He got them out of a comfort zone. Those people helped people, but they suffered. You know what God said about the apostle Paul when he was telling Ananias about him? Go down to Straight Street. I've saved him. I've saved him. Paul, Saul, and you go down there. You don't have to be afraid of him. He's one of us now. For I'll show him how great things he must suffer. When God built that little evangelist that shook literally the world, you know what he did? Read about his life how he suffered. If old Paul walked in here and preached tonight, Brother Bell, there'd be the lights would shine on his little bald head. You'd see stars all over him. He pulled his shirt off and turned his back to us. It would just be scars where he'd been beaten with rods and whips and, and and scars around his ankles and scars around his wrist where chains had bound him for months at a time and weeks. Not enough to eat. Hunger and thirsting and and perils of robbers and perils of his own countrymen and perils of the sea and all of it. What was he doing? He was building a man that shaped the world. What about John the Baptist? I mean, you go on and you check them all. Then let me say this real quickly and I'm going to wind this thing up. God makes us start over because of straying out of the will of God. You remember Naomi and the limelight and, and, uh, and Malon had a famine come famine came, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 22, and uh, I'm not going to turn over and read it, but you remember that famine came, and they were in Bethlehem, Judah, they were in the house of bread, right. the land of bread, and you know what they did, a famine come, and they headed for the war man, God's war spot, Moab, now why in the world would they go to Moab, why in the world would you go down there, it's a good question, isn't it, but I'll tell you what happened down there. They thought, they thought they were, they thought they was having it rough, but they thought it what rough was yeah, yeah. When you leave the will of God, right. the Bible said the way of the transgressors hard, yeah, And they got down there, and the limelight got sick and died. Malon died, Shilion died, and Naomi wants to come back, and her two daughter-in-laws is going to follow her. She told them go back. And, of course, Ruth said, wherever you go, I'm going. Your God will be my God and, and all that. But, you know, as far as I know, uh, Orpha went back and I don't even believe she saved. He said he, She told her to go back to her God. If, if Naomi had been a soul winner, she would have won her before she sent her back. That's the truth. She ought to have told her how to get saved. She ought to give her the Roman road before she sent her back. But she went back, and when they looked at her, they said, Is that Naomi? Is that her? She said, Don't call me Pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra. For the Lord hath brought me back empty, sent me out full, and brought me back empty. You know what she had to do? She had to start all over. Daughter in law went and got a job, did she? So they could eat. And God had grace on them, didn't he? God had mercy. You know, He'll always have grace on those come back. But you, you, listen, when you, if you're backslid, you get right with God and come back. You got to start over, but at least you're back home. Hey, prodigal son had to start over. He done wasted his living down yonder. I mean, he had all that was coming to him, and he went down there and spent it on a bunch of sorry women and a bunch of sorry dope and a bunch of that, what you call it, Brother Johnson? CVD? He said, spend it on that, spend it on a bunch of marijuana and a bunch of dope. And brother, he, he didn't have enough money to buy a McDonald's hamburger. He's about starved to death, and he went down and got a job feeding pigs. And with them pigs, there ain't no, nothing in the world can make food sound as good as a pig. You say, how do you know? Because I've raised them. And brother, you get a bunch of hogs in a lot, and you go over it when it's feeding time, start dumping that feed out of them buckets, and brother you let them get up in that in that trough to start eating it, it'll make you want to go to supper. You never heard anything that make food sound better than a hog that eats, hey, amen. I used to just stand and listen to them. That Sounds great. And my mama had to break me off some of it because I picked up a few of their habits when I got to the table. I sound like one of them. So look here. When the prodigal son said, when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go to my father and said, father, I've sinned against uh, heaven and against thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father said, uh, listen, this is my son that was dead, and now he's alive. He said, go get that calf I've been stall feeding, and tell everybody, come in, we're going to have a party, and get my shoes, and put them on his feet, and put a robe on his back, my robe and my ring, uh, thank God listen to me, uh, listen, but he had to start over. Yeah, right. Now, when he went back, he didn't have the same stuff he had when he left. Right. He had start over. Well, but, hey, thank God he's in the family, though, yeah. and he was back at the house, and he's back in yeah. fellowship, and he still got fed, and he still had what he needed. Right. Let me tell you, it's better, you'd be better off in here. Brother, let me tell you, you're better off in your church. And I mean, if you get discouraged, you get depressed, you get down, you get defeated, you're still better off when you make it in here, to set in here. You get to the Father's house. You get to the Father's house. Oh, I could give you a bunch of stuff, but I'm, I'm done. Then let me say, and I'm true. not start over because of spiritual stagnation. You had Laodicean church, Revelation chapter three, and even that church, Ephesus chapter two, Revelation. They had started, and, and hey, they didn't change their doctrine. If you went there, you'd say, "How about y'all's doctrine?" They said, "Hey, read it. Here's our church. Here's our uh, here's our uh, bylaws. Here's our constitution. Read it." You said, "Hey, right down the line, hey, King James." They're soul winning, bus running, missionary, believing eternal security, believing the virgin birth, believing the blood atonement, believing the, uh, the re- body resurrection, believing the second coming of Christ. They believed everything. But the problem was they had works. They had labor without love. They were laboring without loving. Them. And then that Laodicean church, they didn't think they needed a thing. But they did. And, and both of them had to start over. And you know what? You just got to admit it. Yeah. There's some times when we just need to start over. Right. You know, admit sometimes, listen, I, I just ain't where I am at. Yeah. I just am not where I was. And I may have to go up to that altar and get on my knees and say, Dear God, yeah. I failed in some areas of my life, and I know I just need to get up and start over. Yeah. But, folks, starting over is better than getting out there and getting chastised. I'd rather get up here and, and confess it. I'd rather stand up for the whole church as a church, I failed. I failed. I, I would rather confess it to you and God and say I failed rather than I would to get out there and have the lion chasing me and have the Lord chasing me because he'll catch you. You can run from God, but you can't hide. You can run from God, but you can't hide. He knows. Brother, let me tell you something. It's it's a whole lot better just start over. And by the way, when David started over, he hit some snags. But let me tell you something, but there come a day when old David sat on the throne. He passed all the tests. He become the he become the king of Israel. But he'd start over completely. And it might be, listen, somebody in here tonight said, Hey, you know what, preacher, I just think I just need it. I failed. I was trying to read the Bible through this year. And some way I got off in several days, and, and I hadn't read it in, in, in several days. But I just need to get back up and start over. I hadn't been praying like I ought to, but I need to start over. Hey, I hadn't been giving like I ought to. And I was tithing. For some things to come up, and I just quit. Well, listen, get to the altar and ask God to forgive you and pick back up and start doing it. I was passing out tracks. I was going soul winning. And somewhere or other, I'm just, I don't know what happened. I'm not doing it. Hey, well, then get back and get right and start over. Start over. You can still start over. Get back up. Hey, that's a good thing if a person can just get up and get back to God and start over. Let's just start over. That's what this meeting is for us. Get started over. You say, well, I, I ain't even been coming to church, baby. Then start over. Amen. Make it right tonight. So I'm getting right about this thing tonight, and I'm starting over. And I'm going to do better. And I'll do what God would have me do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And you know,